Art takes, not hot takes. This is Everyone is Wrong, a counterintuitive pop culture podcast. I'm your host, Seth Sommerfeld. Thanks for listening. My guest today was a teenage phenom, has never been caught roiding, and personally won as many playoff games as the Seattle Mariners have over the past two decades. He has stepped into the batter's box today and is willing to swat the gloves of anyone bad-mouthing the much-loathed 14-time All-Star, three-time American League MVP, Alex Rodriguez, a.k.a. A-Rod. Everyone is wrong, but Spike Friedman isn't. Thanks for coming on again, Spike. Thank you so much for having me. This is an honor and a privilege. And I just want to be clear from the top that uh, I'm extremely right. And I think that by the end of this, you'll be on my side. That is that is a confident stance that I'm taking this time that I was unable to take in my past appearances. In fairness, I think you made a very strong case for Jupiter Ascending, but you said your case for Alex Rodriguez is much stronger than your case for Jupiter Ascending. Yeah, I yeah, mostly my case for Jupiter Ascending is like it's a B plus meet it there. My case for Alex Rodriguez is uh, he's probably the best baseball player we've been alive to see. And if you don't get on board with him, you're a bad person. Right. So we're doing this episode this week because the Baseball Hall of Fame class for this year will be announced the week of this episode's release. And this will be the first time that Alex Rodriguez is on the ballot for that. And because ballot tracking data is available, we basically know that Alex Rodriguez is not going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Also, then, judging by the fact that guys like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are going to get in this year on their final year of ballot eligibility, we know that he will probably inevitably get in, but it's kind of a thing to note that this guy is not a first ballot Hall of Famer, and Spike will obviously be arguing one of the things indirectly that this is absurd. He should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get into the back. <laughs> so let's get into the background of Alex Rodriguez. Alex Rodriguez was a professional baseball player who played shortstop and third base during his career. Rodriguez was born to Dominican immigrant parents in New York City and grew up in the Dominican Republic and Miami, Florida. Rodriguez was a baseball savant as a youth. His senior year in high school, he was the National Gatorade Player of the Year, hitting 505 with 35 steals in 33 games of his pretty high school. Good, pretty good, pretty stats. good, pretty good stats. He was also the first high school player to ever try out for Team USA Baseball, to give you an indication of how good he was. He was drafted number one in the Major League Baseball draft in 1993 by Spike and I's beloved Seattle Mariners. He rose quickly through the minors as one of, if not the best prospect in the minors, and got called up at the end of the 1995 season. And while he wasn't a major contributor to that team, he only had two postseason at-bats, he was on the roster during the famed double by Edgar Martinez, so A-Rod is actually part of that moment very indirectly. But then A-Rod took over as the Mariners shortstop in 1996 and lit the world on fire, to kind of put it mildly. He hit an AL-leading 353 his rookie year with 36 home runs and 123 RBIs, also leading the league in runs, doubles, and total bases despite being a 20-year-old for the majority of that season. He obviously won AL Rookie of the Year and finished just three voting points behind Juan Gonzalez for AL MVP. He continued to put up gargantuan stats, including 40-40 seasons, seasons where he hit 40-plus home runs and stole 40-plus bases, while also playing a great defensive shortstop for the Mariners. But despite that, because they are the Mariners, the Mariners never found playoff success during A-Rod's tenure with the team. That tenure ended after the 2000 season. In 2000, A-Rod became a free agent and signed with the division rival Texas Rangers for, at the time, a gobsmacking sum, which was 10 years and $252 million. For comparison, that was $63 million more 
then the second biggest baseball contract at the time. This turned a lot of people against A-Rod because it allowed him to fit into the narrative and be the poster boy for the greedy athlete narrative, which we will discuss later, I'm sure. The Rangers found pretty much no success during A-Rod's tenure, but that clearly wasn't Alex Rodriguez's fault because he was a statistical monster in an undeniable way. It was so undeniable that he won the 2003 MVP during a pre-mainstream analytics era, despite the Rangers finishing in last place in the AL West. That year, he led the league in home runs, runs, and slugging percentage. Coming off the MVP year, Alex was traded to the New York Yankees. Despite coming off back-to-back gold gloves, the Yankees made the stellar shortstop move to third base because team captain Jarek Jeter played shortstop, And if you can have the worst defensive shortstop in baseball history stick at shortstop, why not just keep that going? Alex Rodriguez was also great with the Yankees. Crazy. He won the MVP in 2005 and 2007, but was often blamed for the Yankees' playoff failures. In 2005 and 2006, he hit under 200 in the baseball playoffs, so that a lot of the New York media and some of his own teammates kind of turned against him for not coming up clutch enough, so to speak. Before the 2009 season, Sports Illustrated ran a story that A-Rod had tested positive for steroids in 2003, and A-Rod admitted that he used steroids from 2001 to 2003 and claimed that he'd stopped, but that initial bust cost him some more fans. But that 2009 year actually ended great for Alex because... The Yankees finally got over the hump, finally, as a Mariners fan, got over the hump and won the World Series with A-Rod on the roster, and he was the postseason MVP, hitting 365 with six home runs and 18 RBIs, and that was probably the peak of A-Rod's, like, I'm probably the best player in the world era. The following years, he still put up good numbers, but he had more injuries and ran into some slumps and just wasn't the A-triple-plus level player as much. Then A-Rod was suspended the entire 2014 season for his involvement with the Biogenesis performance-enhancing drug scandal. He ended up playing through the 2016 season and then retiring. Here's some of the basic stats of A-Rod's career. He's fourth in career home runs with 696. He's fourth in career RBIs. He's eighth in runs scored. He's seventh in total bases. He's 45th in stolen base percentage, despite kind of not doing that for the latter half of his career. And he is 16th in career wins above replacement. He has since went on to become a baseball analyst for Fox and ESPN and was also in the spotlight for his relationship with Jennifer Lopez for a while. So speaking to the criticisms of A-Rod, people don't like him for a lot of reasons. Again, there's the huge contract with the Rangers and that turned off, you know, the people that don't like athletes getting paid. It also turned off a bunch of Mariners fans who felt like, Oh, you signed with our quote unquote rival. How dare you? Uh, pitchforks. Then there were the steroids bust. There was the postseason slump in 2005 and 2006, which earned a lot of criticism from teammates and the media in New York, which has an oversized voice in the national conversation He also has been cited as being kind of just like a weird dude, sometimes off-putting with his personality, which, you know, earned him nicknames among teammates and things like that as The Cooler and A-Fraud. And again, these were like nicknames his teammates and like clubhouse attendees were giving him. So he's not exactly the warmest guy out there. There was also the incident in 2004 in a playoff series with the Red Sox where he was trying to get to first base and he basically swatted Bronson Arroyo's glove to try and make the ball get loose. And it was just one of those moments that became a big talking head moment of like, oh, he's not playing the game the right way and how dare he and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, there's just a lot of like bad vibes around A-Rod despite him being a great player. So he's definitely one of the least liked MLB superstars probably up there with Barry Bonds 
probably ahead of Roger Clemens because I don't think people care about pitchers as much. But yeah, he's definitely not got the highest Q score among all-time greats. So Spike, why is everyone wrong about Alex Rodriguez? Oh my God. So many reasons. So many reasons. And I think I think you've hinted at all of them. I think throughout, threaded throughout that narrative, you can hear why people don't like him. And you can maybe remember, maybe if you're a baseball fan, I think I think what's unique about A-Rod is that the degree to which he is disliked transcended baseball fandom in a way that most big name baseball players don't even transcend baseball fandom at this point. The average non-sports fan doesn't know who Mike Trout is. They might have heard the name Shohei Otani, but probably not. Yeah, I mean, they've probably heard Mike Trout's name. They'd be like Mike Trout, but if Mike Trout like walked into the room, they'd just be like, that's a tall, buff white guy. Yeah. Whereas I think Alex Rodriguez really is someone that is truly famous. Like people know who Alex Rodriguez is and they know that they don't like him (laughs) for a battery of reasons, uh, all of which pale in comparison to how good he was at baseball. And many of the reasons they don't like him are reasons that in fact he should be liked. That to me is what cuts at the heart of what is wrong with the nation's perception of A-Rod, is that many of the reasons that you don't like Alex Rodriguez, if you were to sit down and really think about them, which I'm going to do with you right now, you would realize you're wrong and you should like him for those very exact same reasons. And uh, yeah, I've got five points. I mean, do we want, how how do we want to run through this? Let's just launch into the first one and and go from there. I I think the first one is just the most obvious like baseball point. So yeah, yeah, why don't you just dive into the baseballness of it? Alex Rodriguez is better than you remember Alex Rodriguez being. If you're a baseball fan, or I, I think if you're a baseball fan, this might be maybe a little bit less true. But if you were a sports fan, say a person who's familiar with baseball, who watches some baseball, you might think, yeah, Alex Rodriguez is pretty good. You know, he's like a Vlad Guerrero, a Manny Ramirez. Yeah, he, he made t- the all-star a bunch of times. Like, he was yeah. up there. A good play. No, Alex Rodriguez is arguably, I think you can make the argument he is one of the five best position players of all time. I think that that is an argument that you can make. And I think it would be very difficult to make an argument that he is not one of the top 15 position players of all time. And now why is that true? Seth ran through a lot of statistics around how many home runs he hit, the fact that he hit over 690 home runs in his career, how solid a contact hitter he was, how many walks he got, how many different things he did offensively. To do those things offensively while playing gold glove caliber shortstop had happened exactly one other time in the history of baseball, and that was in the late 19th and early 20th century with Thomas White. That's it. That's the list of guys who have done what Alex Rodriguez did. I listed them all. Honus Wagner, he's the one, he's got the famous baseball card. He really was that good for like 16 years with the Pirates before the First World War. That's how far back you have to go to find someone who's done anything like what Alex Rodriguez has done. Right. The positionality of playing shortstop and actually playing shortstop at an incredibly high level has just a ton of value in baseball. And because it's just, you know, it can, the run prevention that that defensive position when played at a stellar level provides is just, it's underrated how impactful it can be. There's guys that, you know, we've had as Mariners fans that were amazing defensive shortstops and could not hit a lick, but it was like, it's okay. It's fine that like they can't hit because they're playing such good defensive shortstop that it's okay. And shortstop is the one position in the infield where you kind of are allowed to be just a defensive guy because all the, all the people that put up big numbers as infielders are basically mostly first baseman and then some third baseman are the guys who can actually hit. And other than that, it's just, you know, a bunch of tiny guys who can just play defense well. And, and, and I'm going to 
just hit some shortstops who you might think of as like comparable, which are, you know, your Jimmy Rollins, Miguel Tejada, Troy Tulowitzki, Barry Larkin, who was a, what, second ballot Hall of Famer? These are like guys who would regularly get MVP votes. Occasionally, I think Tejada even won MVP once. Yeah. So like those are the levels of guys that Spike is talking about. And these guys all put up half the wins above replacement over their career to Alex Rodriguez. Like Alex Rodriguez was twice as good as your average Hall of Fame shortstop. I think the best comp, and baseball reference agrees with me, for what Alex Rodriguez did on the field as baseball players, Billy Mays, in terms of combining speed, incredible defense, and power hitting while still hitting for average. Right. That sort of five-tool, like the, people talk about five-tool baseball players as guys who have great arms, incredible range in the field, incredible contact hitting, speed on the base pass, and power hitting. I think only Willie Mays is at the level in terms of five-tool, and and then the elephant in the room being Barry Bonds as the other one. Those are your three guys. Those are your three all-time five-tool players before Mike Trout. But I think Alex Rodriguez frankly, is at that level of Mike Trout, like where we talk about guys who are just like clipping off 10 win, ten more seasons. Like Rodriguez never had a 10-win season, but he had a run with like what? Where he's averaging eight-win seasons like eight years in a row? Right, and he was first place in offensive war for the American League like seven or eight times, something like that. It was, yeah where you're just like, oh, he's definitely the best hitter. And even when he roided up, and this is going to be, we're going to get into this a little bit, and we're, we're assuming that he was roided up from like 01 to 04 probably, and then again when he started declining in 2012, give or take, uh, through the end of his career. That's sort of, I think what you should at the minimum assume he was roided up right. for. He was, I mean, some of those offensive seasons are ridiculous. I mean, 57 home runs while winning a cold glove at shortstop. And he didn't even win the AL MVP that year, which is um, utterly ludicrous. That's another thing that if you take like the, there's been a softening in recent years of like, look, it's baseball. It's not basketball. You can't, you can be the MVP or the Cy Young and be on a crappy team like Felix Hernandez won the AL Cy Young in a year where he had like one more win than loss because people actually looked at the stats and they're like, what do you want this guy to do? They scored no runs for him. And like Alex Rodriguez probably would have, you know, five or six MVPs if he was transplanted to today's game where they're just like, look, he's so much better than like everybody else. What are we talking about? All these guys. So they're on a slightly better team. He like doubled their war. Yeah, and so in 2002, he lost to Miguel Tejada for MVP. Uh, His wins above replacement, wins above replacement is sort of an aggregate total of like, if you're to replace a dude with with a guy just out of AAA, how many wins would that team lose? It's sort of like the one way to think about. It's a combination of defense and offense and all these, like, it's a bringing together of statistics and it factors in your position and all this to say like oh you know just having you on this team this year was worth five wins over like if it had just been a bunch of triple a guys and you you would have been they would have been five wins better because you were just on the team yeah and it's not wins above like an average student it's not wins above like a guy off the street it's not wins above spike and staff that would be much more because we would have a negative track. We would have a negative war. I'm, I'm safe. Yeah. I'll safely say. I'll say. So in 2002, uh, Miguel Tejada won with 21 first place votes to Arod's five. The wins above replacement, Tejada had 5.7. Arod had 8.8. They both played all 162 games. Tejada batted 308 to Arod's 300. Arod hit 57 jacks that year. <laughs> Tejada hit 34 with 108 runs, 131 RBIs, but Erod had 142 RBI, 125 runs. His OPS was a full 150 points higher than Miguel Tejada, and he won the gold glove at the same position. 
<laughs> like, what are we doing? Right. And that A's team, look, that is a very famous A's team. We've all heard of Moneyball. We're all people who love Brad Pitt and Aaron Sorkin. Nobody has any bad feelings about Aaron Sorkin. But, like, that was a very interesting A's team. But, like, there is no way in which Miguel Tejada was better than Alex Rodriguez. There was none. And that was an incredible season for Miguel Tejada that in any other era would have made him by far the best shortstop in baseball for a decade. Like, like the only comps that exist for Alex Alex Rodriguez before Honus Wagner for a hundred years. There's one guy who's like in the area and that's Cal Ripken. And even there, you're talking about 75% of an A-Rod. And Cal Ripken is transcendently famous and good in the first ballot hall of famer. Uh, And also might've done steroids. Like, what are we talking about? He didn't miss a game for like 20 years. And we're all sure that Cal Ripken wasn't writing. Look, I am going to slander a lot of people on this podcast today. (laughs) And it starts with Cal Ripken. (laughs) Yeah. The whole steroid point. It seems like he at least started steroids when he went to the Rangers, but Alex Rodriguez's very first season is maybe his craziest season. Yes. Like his 1996 rookie year is insane. There's if you've if you haven't watched The History of the Seattle Mariners, the documentary that John Boys made a few years ago, they have a whole section in there just talking about how much of an outlier that season was, and it was like he hit I think over 90 extra base hits and no infielder had ever done that. And that includes like first baseman and third baseman or nobody had done it since like Jimmy Fox or something like that. Yeah. And that was his rookie year when he probably weighed less than I weigh right now. And just it was, it was like a his skinny rookie little year kid. And he was 20. Like, that's another thing is that in all sports, but especially in baseball, guys do not peak until their late 20s as a rule. And it is very difficult for someone to come up and start hitting for power at the age of 20. It is a incredibly noteworthy thing. Alex Rodriguez did that. He came up at the age of 20 and hit 36 jacks and 54 doubles, but he also padded 358 and walked enough to have an old <laughs> led the league as a 20-year-old and was playing he didn't win the gold glove that year because I, I assume it was probably like the scale was still hanging around. There were some great defensive shortstops in the late 90s. But I mean, you're talking about a guy who came up and put together one of the great all-time seasons at the age of 20, definitely before he was roiding. And I'm going to, I mean, there are all the arguments with steroids and we can, we'll hit those a little bit more as we go on, but like, you know, who else is roiding? We're the pitchers. Like this, like baseball is a game played against other people. And so much of the competition that Alex Rodriguez was facing was taking the same, looking for the same edges he was. And he was, outpacing them all to the point where you can make an argument that he lives in the pantheon of greatest players. And it's, you know, he's inarguably one of the two best people to ever play his position. Given how much shit he gets from Yankees fans, and this is is maybe a transition into one of my other points, his season in 2005 at 29, where he bats 321, 48 home runs, 610 slugging percentage while transitioning to third base, which he hadn't played before. And again, was playing at a world-class level. And third base is a position that just, there are not a lot of guys in the Hall of Fame who were third basemen. Like he, to do that, and then to come back two years later and top every one of those numbers in 2007. And at that point, in two, by the end of 2007, he was universally loathed by his own fan base is maybe the most ludicrous bullshit that's ever happened in professional sports. I'm trying to, it's like if the Colts fans like hated Peyton Manning at the peak of yeah. like Peyton Manning. Cause they're like, you've only won us like 
you before he like won the Super Bowl where it was just like, oh, you're like breaking records every year, but like you are not personally carrying us to the playoffs, except it's more absurd because it's baseball and you can't like like a, a quarterback could conceivably like win you a playoff, just like get hot and like win you a playoff game. But like unless A-Rod's hitting even if A-Rod's hitting four home runs every game, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to win the game because it's baseball. Yeah. Yeah. A that yeah, exactly. I mean, the we're, we're Mariners feds. The Mariners had Alex Rodriguez, Ken Griffey Jr., Edgar Martinez, Randy Johnson, all of the same team and it was just like they couldn't win. Yeah. Because it's baseball. I mean, they did okay. Right, but they, they made the playoffs. Yeah, you know, that's uh, that's for us. That team didn't make it to the World Series where if you're like, "Oh, a NBA team had like four of the top 10 players of the decade on it. It would be like, oh, well, they definitely won a couple finals. Or if an NFL team had like the best quarterback and the best tight end and the best middle linebacker, they'd probably at least make it to one Super Bowl during their run. Yeah, I mean, and to be fair to A-Rod, he did win a ring. He did everything that a guy can do in his career. And even at the end of his career, 39, after he'd been suspended for a year and a half, he still managed to put up a three-win season in his penultimate season. His last season, he was done, but he was 40. He was 40 at that point. Guys are always done when they're 40. So anyway... So did you want to transition to that other point of yours since we were talking about Yankees? No, I'm going to, we're going to, I was going to, but now I'm like, no, we, we're going to get there because that is the, so I'm going to say he never betrayed his team. Now, Seth and I are both Mariners fans, so we should hate A-Rod more than anybody in theory because. In the narrative. In the narrative, because when he left Seattle, it was viewed as this hideous betrayal of the team. He was a sellout is kind of the thing where it's just like he took the most money to go to like a bad team in the division. And people would go to the games with fake dollar bills and throw them at him. That was the fun thing to do if you were a Mariners fan in 2001. And then the team got very good for a minute and they forgot him. It turns out Ichiro showed up and everyone was like, wait, this guy's awesome. We are not even going to care about you on your last place Rangers team. Yeah. And let's put a pin in Ichiro being awesome because that's going to come up later. Okay. But before we get there, A-Rod in that age 20 season we were talking about where he was really, really good at a level that no one had ever been good for like 100 years was paid $440,000. Not a lot of money. And he essentially... At that point, he had four years to arbitration still. So like before he could hit free agency. So baseball, we should say, baseball is set up in a way that really hinders paying guys when they're young. Basically, you get to you get called up and then you're on these minimum salaries for a certain amount of time. And then you can get into arbitration where you basically take the team to court to get paid what you're worth and then eventually you get to free agency but usually not until you're in your 30s if you're a guy who debuted you know not at age 20. Yeah I mean the fact that Aaron hit free agency within five years speaks to just how just a massive failure in the Mariners front office. But when A-Rod, so A-Rod only gets 400 grand his first year. The next couple of years, he makes a million bucks in pop. And he has an agent, Scott Boris, and everyone knows he's going to wring all the money out of a team that he possibly can. And in this situation, the Mariners came to him and offered him a five-year contract. They offered him a five-year contract while simultaneously... The Texas Rangers offered him a 10-year, $252 million contract. That's twice as long. I think on a per-year basis, The we don't know for sure because what I'm saying about a five-year contract is rumor and speculation and all that. But, like, essentially you're talking about twice as much guaranteed money, more than twice as much guaranteed money because it's longer contract on a $25 million per-year basis 
and more dollars per year. I think it was about a five-year, like $18 million contract per year. So they offered him. They offered him Kyle Seeger money. Fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. There is the one thing where it was just like, the 10-year contract was not like a norm at the time. So it was, we, we don't know like the backstory of like, if they offered him a five-year contract and Scott Boris was like, this other team's offering you a 10-year contract. Or if it was, because there weren't a lot of 10-year contracts being handed out at the time. So it was like, oh, you're our best player. We will offer you like five to six years. Yeah. That would be like the one possible defense in the Mariners. But yeah. But they offered him five years and the rumor is $19 million per year is what I'm seeing on both Lookout Landing and Soto Mojo. So that is a five-year $95 million contract. So it's less money than the team ends up giving Kyle Seager. Now, obviously, the market changes. And Kyle Seager's great. This is not to malign Kyle Seager by He's any means. He's taking shots at every <laughs> shots tiny at every white time. infielder. But let's be clear on how much better Alex Rodriguez is than Kyle Seager. The answer is three times better. And in exchange for him taking on a per year basis a 50% raise and on a guaranteed basis, this is going to be over twice as long. People brought signs to his first game back that said AWOD, Nimrod, A-Fraud, A-Fraud spelled a different way, K-Rod before there was a K-Rod, F-Rod, Rodriguez, sellout, mission accomplished with a bunch of dollar signs. We're so over you. Go home, Payrod. Payrod lost his mojo. Need a loan. Call one 252 alex That one's decent. That, I, I it's clever, at least. Yeah. It's, but this is all to say, this is a situation where... <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so it was a five-year, $19 million deal, but it only guaranteed $60 million over three years. And the last two was a two-year team option. That's what we offered him. And this is part of a long legacy of sports, like of athletes typically who hit really young and are minorities who are offered way too little in the expectation that they're going to give a hometown discount and leave and are maligned for it unfairly. The other example that comes immediately to mind for me is like a Liverpool supporter is Raheem Sterling, who was a superstar at age 20 in the English Premier League, was scoring buckets of goals for Liverpool and was on a basically a youth contract making, making 40 grand a week. The team offered him a raise initially to 75 grand a week. Man City comes in and offers him 200 grand a week. He's like, you got to meet me halfway. And the team's like, we don't want to break our wage structure. And he leaves. Now, you can call that greedy, but if a team is going to come in and more than double your salary, it's not a betrayal. That's just making a good decision. If anybody listening to this was offered double their salary to play for or to work for a very similar organization to where they work now, right. and they have to like you have to move to Texas, I wouldn't do it because I don't want to live in Dallas. But like, <laughs> come on, what are we doing? <laughs> it's all baseball owners. It's not like you're going from like. You're taking double buddy to go from, you know, the New York Times to Fox News or something. Yeah. He, God, it's so, it, it, and then again, so, okay, so he leaves the Mariners under those terms. And then on, with the Rangers, he sort of forces his way out, quote unquote, and puts the Yankees and the Red Sox into a bidding war. But apparently the team wanted out from under his contract because they were garbage. And they were not garbage because they signed Alex Rodriguez. They were garbage because they spent the rest of their money on Chan Ho Park, who forgot how to pitch when they gave him $85 million. Yeah. Which is a wild, that is a wild contract because he was actually pretty good with the Dodgers. And then he gets $85 million and falls apart mm. and the Rangers simply couldn't afford for that to happen. They decide they want to rebuild, offer him up. And, you know, the Yankee, it comes down to the Yankees and the Red Sox. And somehow both teams' fan bases have never forgiven him for picking the Yankees and, and that the Yankees made the better offer in the end and actually gave a quality player in return to the Rangers and Alfonso Soriano. Everybody came out of that trade 
getting what they wanted. And yet the two most toxic fan bases in baseball ended up deciding they hate Alex Rodriguez. Like, what is happening? Why? What? What is wrong with everybody? Like, why can't people look at this guy and not lose their minds? Yeah, it seems like everybody, the narratives around him are very kind of set in stone and also just feel like they would maybe be different if they happened today than if they happened then. Because there's also the fact of, you know, there's just like the, maybe this is something you're getting into later, but there's just like the fact of the market setting with actually taking a good contract and why. Yes. So let's get to that point. That was going to be my fifth point. And let's just, let's just hit that right now. People called Alex Rodriguez greedy because he took a 10-year, $250 million contract, including, as Seth mentioned, members of his own team. That is ludicrous, and it is self-defeating. That is the worst part of that, is that it is self-defeating for you as a member of the baseball-playing fraternity to look at someone performing at the level Alex Rodriguez is performing at and wanting him to take less money. And let's look at today, where we've we've mentioned Mike Trout a couple times, who's sort of the clear best player in baseball. Multiple-time MVP for the Angels in a similar position to Alex Rodriguez, where his team just never wins. It might be an AL West thing. I don't know. It's impossible to know what's going on. It's hilarious. There's like a tweet that's very funny that's like uh, Mike Trout goes four for five with two home runs, two doubles, and Shohei Otani manages to do something that hasn't been done since one-armed McGinty in 1883, did it three times in a eight to two loss to the Tigers or whatever. Yeah, like it's, it's good. And... But here's the thing is Mike Trout, when he signed his big free agent contract, signed it for $350 million. And the problem once that happens is when anybody else is negotiating their contract, their agent is going to go into a meeting and be like, my guy, my guy deserves X percentage of your team's revenue because he brings in this amount of wins. And the team can come back and be like, what you're describing is more money than Mike Trout gets. And your player is not as good as Mike Trout. So yeah, it should be referenced that 350 million now, even though A-Rod was 250 million, is now not nearly as like a higher percentage contract-wise yeah. to what the rest of the league is getting. And, and like we don't need to get in all the math, but Mike Trout should not have signed a deal for less than $600 million. That's like, what's up? Because once Mike Trout signs a deal for what he signs it for, every other deal in the league gets scaled down. And all the guys in his locker room are like, hey, man, thanks for leaving more money on the table for me. That's what they're thinking. But what's actually going to happen is they're going to get less money because their performance is valued on a scale based on how the best guys in the league are performing and what they're getting paid at. And when that guy is taking a you know 30% pay cut, you end up taking a 30% pay cut. It is a disaster in terms of labor solidarity that Mike Trout did, that A-Rod didn't do. And A-Rod was castigated for it, not just by the media, not just by the owners and the fans, but also by his fellow players. And that is the stupidest thing on earth because A-Rod negotiating that contract and having Scott Boris hold everyone's feet to the fire made all these players rich and famous back when baseball players were still getting rich and famous at the rate that they were. Right. So part of it, you know, those where we were like, oh, Kyle Seeger is making as much as A-Rod was offered by the Mariners initially. That's because A-Rod took that initial deal and set the market at a much higher level than everybody else and exactly you know and that's without getting into the whole thing of like fans always being mad at the millionaire athletes versus the billionaire owners for things which is just an inevitability in sports that never makes any sense yeah but yeah a-rod kind of just took what he got paid and it ended up getting you know a bunch of lesser players paid and it's that comparison thing that Spike talked about where it's just like once the market's set, you just can't do it. And it, I guess it should also be mentioned that unlike, say, the NBA or the NFL, there is not a salary cap, a hard salary cap in Major League Baseball. So it's very free market economics. So that's why that is so important. Like in the NBA, 
there are max level contracts and they're based on the number of years. So it's like LeBron can only make this much money. LeBron can make $40 million a year and Chris Paul can make $39 million a year or whatever it is. Um, however it's set up, but it would be like if LeBron, if there was a free market and LeBron was getting paid the same amount as, you know, uh, Tobias Harris, you'd be like, wait, what is happening? Yeah. God, if there was a free market in the NBA, LeBron would, oh, have, LeBron made would so have made so much money. money. Like the, the NBA players with the cap has cost the NBA player, like the superstar NBA players, literally probably billions of dollars within the past few years. Yeah. And let's be also, let's be clear. A-Rod earned in his career from salaries, $441 million. Um, he lost some money from getting suspended for steroids, uh, but he also gained some money on the back end because the Yankees paid off the last $21 million on his deal to release him from his contract. So he made, he was worth, in terms, there are dollar values you can assign to wins above replacement. He was worth well over $500 million over the course of his career for his teams. He wasn't greedy. He was, in fact, underpaid in many ways, but he negotiated for a superstar to get paid closer than any other superstar ever had been to what they were worth. He is not greedy. He is a working-class hero. What is wrong with people? Why can't they see that A-Rod is... Like, at the very least, don't be mad at the guy. Like, what are we doing? He actually did the, like, union smart move, which um, he's part of a union, and he did the thing that would help his fellow union members, unlike Mike Trout. Yeah. Uh, Mike Trout is the bad guy here. Another guy. Let's throw him on the pile of white guys that were slandering. Ripken, Seeger, and Trout. Three guys that were slandered so far. Off of that, let's let's get into the indiscretions, right? Like okay. we got to. I think most, if not all, of Alex Rodriguez's indiscretions are stupid, and caring about them makes you a loser. Okay, so because there are like indiscretions that athletes do that are really bad. You know, we've seen it. You see it a lot more in the NFL where you've got reckless driving or serious issues around domestic violence or, and I don't want to, I don't even want to, what I want to say right now is just, I'm going to put those all off to a side of things that A-Rod has never been accused of doing. Alex Rodriguez has never been accused of any of the sorts of things that should genuinely warrant universal revulsion from fans. Never done any of that. What he did do is have a weird photo shoot in Central Park where he took a bunch of pictures and then like the New York Post got him. And in one of them, he was like kissing himself in the mirror. It's That's a wonderful not, photo. It's a wonderful. It's not good. It's, but like, it's funny. Like who cares? Like other things he did, like the baseball, like the slapping the glove of Bronson Arroyo. This was made into the biggest story in sports for it was months. Wild. And he was called out. To me, that's like when people talk about Luis Suarez, not to bring it back to Liverpool, and they talk about the handball that he had in the World Cup where he, like, blocked a shot from Ghana and then Ghana misses the penalty kick and Uruguay goes through. He blocked the shot, but he got called for it and got a red card. kicked out of the game. The other team got a penalty kick. It's not his fault they missed it. He wasn't cheating. He just, like, like, you don't call it cheating when a guy on the field, like, misses someone and is like, oh, I still have the ball in my hand. If a guy goes to dive for a catch and traps the ball and holds it up like he caught it and tricks the umpire into getting it, that's not cheating. And in this case, it's like that. Well, he didn't trick anybody. They just immediately called him out. Right. Why was this a big deal? Yeah, it's it's a weird one. I think it feeds into just people already coming in with pre-A-Rod hate where you're just, yeah. I don't like this guy. And then he did like, you know, it's just sort of like a Bush League move, basically, where yeah. you're like, oh, like, I mean, it, in fairness, it is a move where he's like trying to do something to like get called safe. So he's like doing it in the spirit of like trying to like win and make his team better. But it's just like a move where you're like, come on, man, we all know that's not going to count. And like, it's a yeah. big move, but it also wasn't like he was, you didn't like dive at like Bronson Arroyo's like knee and like try to like, exactly. like tear his ACL. Yes. It was like, oh, you slapped his glove. Like, 
It wasn't like he was going to break his wrist or... And dudes do that all the time. And some are lionized for it. Like Pete Rose is still lionized for like ruining a dude's career when yeah, he tackled people him. over at... In at the All-Star yeah. game. He pulled over a catcher Fosse, in the yeah. All-Star game. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Like, this is the situation where A-Rod basically was trying to get that outcome without risking injury to the other team. In like, and that is the sort of thing here's line for. And it's funny because also like it's so much less offensive than the Roger Clemens throwing a shard of a bat at Mike Piazza, yeah. where it's just like what, like what are you possibly like? The only thing you could do is like possibly injure like the other team's star player with what you're doing, and it's just like that's much more of a playoff, a notable playoff bush league move where you're like, wait, that that actually does like suck and like don't do that you asshole Roger Clemens yeah Roger Clemens is way worse than Alex Rodriguez and always was and always will be like all right and like let's let's hit some of the steroid stuff like yeah A-Rod tested positive in that first Mitchell report along with like every other good baseball player including guys who have since gotten in the hall of fame Right? Like, did Al, or was Alomar already out of the league then? We know now that Alomar did Royd. I don't know if that leaked. Ortiz is probably, David Ortiz is probably going to get more All Star votes this year, despite uh, also Hall of Fame the votes. Hall of, and sorry, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. David, David Ortiz is probably getting into the Hall of Fame this year. It took him a couple years, but it's not taking him. Because he was another guy caught up in the steroid schedule. It took him a is couple years. Is his first years. year, though, right? Or is it his second year? I think it's his second. No, it might be his first. I don't know if he's getting in this year, but he's going to do better than A-Rod. He will definitely being... get more votes than A-Rod. I mean, like Manny Ramirez, for some reason, is not going to be a Hall of Famer, which like yeah. blows my mind. We're just making arbitrary decisions based on like two data points, which are like, or three data points really, of which A-Rod was involved, which are Balco, Biogenesis, and the Mitchell Report. And then there are the actual like real, real suspensions. And A-Rod should have gotten a either 50 or 100 game suspension when he was suspended for steroids, the way Robinson Cano was when he was a Mariner. A-Rod was then suspended for 211 games because he tried to say he didn't do it. Now, I, I didn't know this, but in looking into this, they compared what A-Rod did to what Melky Cabrera did, another Yankee of that era who got caught doing steroids. And instead of just lying, his like representative set up an entire fake company with a fake website that was selling a fake nutritional supplement that they then said that he had ordered in order to have a plausible deniability around him knowingly taking performance-enhancing drugs. This all happened after he got caught, and they got caught faking all of that stuff, and Melky Cabrera's suspension was not extended by one game for manipulating the league or anything like that. So why are we holding A-Rod to a standard when he just, like, lied to people? He was like, no, I didn't. What are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. And the other guys are literally creating fictional shell companies to try to get out of this shit. It's like, it is not, nobody's saying it's good to have done steroids, but it should not be put in the box that the true villains of sports are put in. And it's really unclear as to why A-Rod was singled out for the level of oversight that happened at the end of his career when other people were doing far worse. Yeah, like David Ortiz never, I don't think was ever suspended any time for being no. in his steroid report some guys did yeah the the, the hall of fame thing is weird because it's just like it seems to be a combination of mention of steroids and then how much we don't like the guy and so it's like you know david ortiz like everybody kind of like looks past his steroid stuff even though they don't look past like manny ramirez is as much even though they were both likable but david ortiz was I guess more likable, and then Alex Rodriguez is, is maybe slightly repaired his image a little bit through the just being a member of the media and people. Some people don't hate him as there's plenty of people that hate him for his like analysis on Fox at ESPN, but some people actually like it. So it's like oh, there's some people who have softened a little bit, so that maybe that's why he's not getting like the 
thirty percent or whatever votes where he'll end up at least he won't be off the ballot in one year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all of these indiscretions, whether it is signing a big contract or getting steroids or slapping Bronson Arroyo's wrist, these are all done in the pursuit of winning, of like trying to win. And I think at the core, A-Rod was considered to be a loser by a lot of people, especially Yankees and Red Sox fans. And that is what was tarnishing him more than anything. And yet, now that we're past his actual career, the litany of things that are held against him are all of these things he was trying to do to win and succeed. And that's weird. It's just a weird situation where none of this makes any sense and it is just about, and at the end, and this is is my last point, what this comes down to is the people who don't like A-Rod are a set, the average person who doesn't like A-Rod is like an NYPD beat cop who is a domestic abuser and, like that, and calls it a WFAN or whatever and like says a bunch of dumb stuff on the radio and it's just like, hey, A-Rod, this guy fucking sucks. He had a bad seat. We're walking here. Like, it is, like if you are someone who doesn't like Alex Rodriguez still to this day, you are in a pile of people who like lives on Long Island but says you're from New York. You are busting kids for hopping over subway turnstiles for a living, and you are yelling on sports talk radio. Like, that is the vibe of the people who still are holding this weird A-Rod grudge. And you're also probably, like, a New York Post writer or Boston Globe writer, and therefore voting for the Hall of Fame. And all of these people are losers. And if you're someone who doesn't like A-Rod, you are in this pile of people who sucks. And I lived in New York in 2008 when A-Rod was putting up the sort of numbers that have, that like, again, Stan Musial is like, they trotted him out in St. Louis till he was like 106 years old to play the harmonica and cheer and do all that stuff. Like, those are the numbers A-Rod was putting up. And instead of doing that, it was, you like could walk down the streets of New York and just hear guys yelling like, eh, this guy sucks. Who does he think? Not a true Yankee. Not a true Yankee. Meanwhile, he is playing not his best position so as not to insult fucking Derek Jeter, who all these guys love. Like, it is the worst, like, these are the worst, most ungrateful people. These are the people who are, like, flipping these, like, central Long Island, like, county leadership into being, like, weird Trump guy. These are the New Yorkers who are like, like Trump. Like that is the sort of person (laughs) who is still holding like a New York Yankees A-Rod grudge. And they are legion. There are millions of these people somehow. And I hate them. And if you're one of them, I don't like you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that is, you know, the Yankees hatred is the core, I think, of the lasting A-Rod hatred. But it is part of the thing where you mentioned the Stan Musial part. It's like A-Rod doesn't have a team. Like, yeah. of all his fan bases, I would probably say Mariners fans probably like A-Rod the best out of any, like, fan base of teams he played for. Like, with with hindsight now, I think, like, more Mariners fans have, like, begrudgingly been like, actually, he was kind of awesome for us than, like, because Rangers fans, A, Rangers fans don't exist, don't exist and... Be they like they're Texas people, so it's probably just like, oh, he was super overpaid, and you know, it was glad that he got out of here because we didn't win anything with him. Whereas like Mariners fans, at least, were like, oh, we were like pretty good with A Rod, and those like A Rod, you know, we don't hold him in the like Griffey, Edgar, you know, Ichiro, Felix pantheon, but like at least Mariners fans are like, yeah, he was he was good for us. And then yeah. he, and then he left, even if there's bitterness. So it's like the fan base that like had all those signs that you read off is the fan base that likes him the best. And it's just like, oh, there's never any chance that there's going, there's never any chance there's going to be like an A Rod statue at a major league baseball park. Yes, you know, and he's one of like the ten best players ever. It's just like there's no chance he's going to be 
a Yankees Hall of Famer. There's no chance he's going to be a Rangers. Like he played 13 years with the Yankees, won two MVPs. They signed him to two basically $300 million deals over starting in his year 28 season. Like those are the sorts of things that sink franchises. And he came through and until the second to last year of those combined deals was putting up three win seasons. Like compare that to like what Albert Pujols has been doing for the angels. Typically the sort of deals that A-Rod signs sink franchises. Right. And instead of that, he just went out and won a couple MVPs, won a, won a world series. Kept making all-star games. Again, he got MVP votes in his age 39 season. Like, what? Mm. <laughs> so, like, and, and again, he was maligned by Yankees fans from, like, day one. He won because his first season there, he was only 14th in MVP voting. He won the MVP in his second and fourth season in New York, but there was no patience for that. He was already not a true Yankee by the time he won two MVPs. Right. He he had won two MVPs and the majority of the fan base like didn't like it. Yeah, because he literally, because the Red Sox won one seat, like they beat him once. They finally beat him once when he was around. And they were like, well, I guess he's bad. Yeah, he's somehow the reason that uh, our pitching is not good and we're playing a sieve at shortstop instead of him. And yeah, yeah, it's it's not an easy... uh, Narrative arc for Alex Rodriguez. Erod had 3,115 career hits. Like, he's a 3,000 hit. Like, not only is he a, almost a 700 jack guy, he's also 3,100 hits. Like, yeah. Hey. And he, he was also just like, again, he got some injuries late, but he was like kind of crazy durable for a guy who played yeah. shortstop for so long. Like, a lot of those guys you mentioned, you know, the Tejadas and the Rollins, like, part of their like having like half as much war as Rodriguez is that like most of those like flimsy little shortstops, they kind of just like a, they have a small peak in hitting and then they just dive off the table. And then once their athleticism dips a little bit, they're not able to play that defensive shortstop. And a rod was able to just kind of, again, with some help of some drugs along the way. But again, this was an era where you get people get mad at like the five, the 10 players that names were out there, but it's just like, those weren't the only guys doing it. What are we talking about? Yeah. Uh. Not every, I mean, there's some, there's like a, such a small handful of guys where I feel confident, like 100% confident where I'm like, that guy did not use steroids. It's probably like 10 guys, including players, some players that I love that probably didn't do it. But like, I wouldn't be the most shocked if, you know, I like I, I feel like I've I'm safe on the like Ichiro front, but not not a lot of, not a lot else. Oh, that was the other one. Yeah, thank you. So we talked about and and I'm gonna hit this of like ever especially in New York, people they're always leaking to the post how much they hate A Rod. You know where that also happened was Seattle with Ichiro, and it turned out it was Carlos Silva constantly yes, trying to fight is... Ichiro because he did a different stretching routine that made it more durable. Like this, like just because a clubhouse of jabronis thinks that like a guy is making too much money and they don't recognize that it's being done on their behalf and is like doing their own weightlifting routine doesn't realize they're doing it to make themselves more durable like that is not a good like if they're then leaking that to the media the bad guy is not the guy being leaked about the bad guy is the guy doing the leaking in that situation and everybody in seattle eventually came around to that position in spite of jeff baker but in New York, that never happened. Everybody just stayed hating A Rod, and yeah. nobody like came around to being like, "Well, maybe, uh, maybe other people should uh, try as hard as he does and uh, be grateful that uh, they make twelve million dollars a year for being just okay." Yeah, the the Carlos Silva Ichiro situation is one of my least favorite Mariners things. That was just, you know, both of us were on board. We didn't even know each other at the time, but we, I'm, I'm yeah. confident to say we were both in the like. What the hell, Ichiro? It was just like a whole narrative about like Ichiro is a bad teammate because he gets hits and nobody hits him in. Was kind of like yeah, the, like, he gets on base. Yeah, he gets. He, he hits was selfish for getting singles. too many hits. Yeah, 
and he stretches by himself. Right. And that's and, and that it's his fault that Carlos Silva is a fat piece of shit and was terrible. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna I just wanna I'm, we'll just oh, okay I'm glad <laughs> I was able to make that point because it's important. But let's just read I'm gonna start it I'm gonna start it uh should I just read the position player wins above replacement? Yeah, let's just go. Player? Let's just go with that. Okay. So it's Bonds and Ruth are tied on B-Bar for on baseball reference as the best two best players of all time. I think that's clear. They're good. Third is Willie Mays, Ty Cobb, Hank Aaron, Tris Speaker, Honus Wagner, Stan Musial, Roger Hornsby, Eddie Collins, Ted Williams. Then you have Abel. So I listed 11 guys who have more career wins above replacement than him. Some of these guys, like, I don't know. Like, what was Tris Speaker, really? Like, what? I don't know. It's, yeah, the, the war going back, like, way, way back is, like, a little... Eddie Collins, Rogers Hornsby. It tells, like, the, it tells you how much more better they were than, like, their, yeah. their peers, at least. Even Ty Cobb, it's like, I don't know, man. Like, anything before Ruth is... But then the next guys up are Gehrig, Ricky Henderson, Mel Ott, Mickey Mantle, Frank Robinson, Nap LaHoy, Mike Schmidt, Joe Morgan, Albert Pujols. Those are your neck. Those are the guys that A-Rod is better. Those are the guys where you're like, yeah, those guys were not as good as A-Rod. Just in terms of war. And you can make an argument that A-Rod should be, is better than some of the players that he's behind in war. I think you can make that argument both based on error adjustment, but also based on the fact that he gave up the positional adjustment willingly third base is considered a less valuable job he did it very well but he gave, he willingly gave up what would yeah. have been an even larger adjustment and would have pretty comfortably put him in that rogers hornsby stand usual range it's like the seventh or eighth best player of all time i will say this is i don't think that i knew let me just let me just make sure that i'm right about something before for the record, people, it's fun to just dive into baseball reference all-time rankings or team rankings from time to time, just being like, who are the actual 10 blessed Mariners in war in history? And being like, oh, right, there's like seven good players in Mariners history. Adrian Beltre is 27th in career position player war. <laughs> now, Adrian Beltre, there's another one who wildly... <laughs> wildly underrated i mean wildly underrated also did a lot of steroids yeah adrian beltray is maybe the most underrated player of all time you could make jeter an argument is 61st jeter is closer to okay so jeter had 71 career war and a-rod at 117 <laughs> so that's a difference of 46 so 70 see jeter is basically closer to kyle seager than he is to Alter. Just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out again. It out there. Just to malign, I, and that's about maligns both of them, which I like. Gotta, gotta get a few more shots out before we finish yeah. this out. All right. So I think those are all the points that I absolutely had to make. Is there anything you wanted to get to? Sort of junk drawer, random thought points. Yeah, I think that anybody who sides with the New York Post is an idiot. Don't be that person. The Jennifer Lopez stuff, it's rough right now. You know, it's tough. He's taking some L's, but what are you going to do? Ben Affleck, you know, I don't know. Uh, and now he's an owner, so I'm flipping on him. He's an owner of the Timberwolves. And whenever there's an NBA strike again, I'll flip to the other side and say that A-Rod He's underappreciated as a baseball player, but then overappreciated as a basketball owner. Looking forward to that time. <laughs> awesome. Well, is there anything you would like to plug on your way out? I don't have anything at all to plug right now. I will plug, I don't know, Stathlet's Flats on HBO Max season three. I just finished that. It was very good. Have you seen that show? Have you heard of that show? I have show? not. What is that one? It's a British comedy with the Demetrio siblings, Jamie and Natasha Demetrio, who's um, Nadia on What We Do in the Shadows. Ah. And he they play the two children of a the head of a letting agency, and they're idiots. And it's about idiots trying to be landlords. And it rules. It's the best show. And it's very awkward and funny. Anyway. 
Awesome. People need to know. I don't know. I mean, I think that's a good that's a good deep pull recommendation for people. Uh, since <laughs> since I can't, my work is no longer public, so I can't plug anything in my. Own. Yeah, and you can't plug the baseball season because there might not be one. So um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, fun times in baseball land when the Mariners are finally looking like they might have a promising season. <laughs> Well, I hadn't even thought about that angle. I had, how would I not thought about the angle that, of course, the year that the Mariners are going to be projected to at least make a wild card game? Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. And and you know we had in the in the bidding for a couple more big time free agents, and then everything gets paused, and we'll see if there's actually a baseball season. I think there will be. It just. Uh, it doesn't look promising that like spring training or anything will start on time. So it'll probably be a disjointed season and somehow that will hurt the Mariners and Kyle Lewis will get hurt or something. We were too close to having a Mariners playoff season and everybody else shut down in prevention mode. Right. That's that it's, it's the baseball panic button. It's any time that the Mariners or the Expos look like they're going to be doing anything, we must cancel this season. It's why I just want to also say that Adrian Beltre didn't make an All Star game in his age twenty five season with with the Dodgers. What? How? How did he not make that All Star? He was, was second. That, in that MVP was, was that his MVP year? It, it, well, he was second in MVP. Oh, second in MVP. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how was he not an all star? Is that real? Am I misreading this? Maybe he just no, like turned it up second half. I don't. I don't know. That's. Uh... I mean, he did, but I am very. Hold on. I, okay, so you should just do a wrap up, and I'll figure out who the 2004 NL third baseman were on the all star team. <laughs> I'm just gonna pause now. Oh, you I, don't even I, want to wrap it up. I want to. Yeah. I want to hear this. Uh, I could edit this down so that it's quicker, but. Uh, I actually want to hear this. Uh, no, I, we're close. I'm close. So starting third baseman, Scott Rowland, another underrated guy, should be in the hall. Uh, never tested positive for steroids. I don't know what we're waiting for. The other <laughs> – I'm sorry. The only other third baseman on the NL that made the team that year was Mike Lowell with the Marlins. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Paul LaDuca made it from the Dodgers – and Mike Lowell knocked him out. Eric Gagne also made it that year, and Eric Gagne was phenomenal that year because of steroids. Yeah. But I'm sorry. What? How? How, how and what? Like, <laughs> what? Okay. I, I, I'm. Uh, I think yeah, I think Spike needs to tap out right now. He is uh yeah. he's got down the baseball reference rabbit hole and uh we may never find him again. But until then, remember, even if everyone else mocks it, love the stuff you love.